Look oh. at this. We've got the gag from Pet Chat in. Uh, first of all, Cheryl Shortway's looking a million dollars. Hello, Cheryl. Hello, Mark. And uh, Dr. David Tabard, he looks like if, he's joining the Beach Boys over here. What's <laughs> the Beach Boys Christmas album? Look if, at you. If Cheryl looks a million dollars, what price? Yes. Uh, Clint's crazy bargains. Dollar ninety nine. Dollar ninety nine. You got the Hawaiian shirt on. You've Cut. got the, the Santa hat and the no, Christmas glasses. Hawaiian Santa. Hawaiian Santa and the Easter Island sort of. Uh, yeah, I'm all over the satikis. Yes. Yeah. Well, I didn't right. quite I, know who he was. I, I put this on because it's Christmas is coming, right? Well, well, I walked out the back a couple of bit, uh, about quarter two to see you know, if yes. you guys had turned up. I could see Cheryl at the desk signing in, yeah. and I saw this other guy. I said, "Brian Wilson, is that you?" Are we going to sing the Beast Boys? Is that... <laughs> we can. No, Cheryl, you, you'll be here. We talk a little bit later this afternoon on um, the summer fruits and pets. So I would imagine that's a no-no. Absolutely, we'll be talking about stone fruits and your pets. And uh, David, mm. we, David, even through that uh, weird clobber, we'll be answering all of your pet questions. Dr. David Tabbert oh, is here. I'm, lose, I'm losing my Santa hat. You're losing. Look, if you if you want to <laughs> what? see what Dr. David looks like today, just pop up to our webpage, have a look through the the studio webcam. Oh, yeah. the, the guy is a front for the next Beach Boys Christmas album. He's got the Hawaiian <laughs> shirt on, the Santa hat, That's it. and uh, ready to go. Cheryl Shaw, he's outdone you today. You usually uh, oh look, I'm happy for him. He's enjoying this little moment, so let him be. <laughs> <laughs> now, as as usual, your outfit ties into it usually ties into something. It is your topic today. Your shirt. It's got cherries on it. You've got a little cherry uh, on your um, chain. Yeah. We're kind of talking about the stone fruits. So, by the way, haven't they been lovely? Oh, absolutely. This is my favourite time of the year when it comes to fruit. You know, things like cherries and your peaches mm-hmm. and your nectarines and plums. Fantastic. However. But there is a problem. Now, often we don't think about discarding our seeds when we're eating some stone fruit. And we'll put them down. And often dogs will come along and just have a look what we've been, you know, sort of mm-hmm. eating. Now, there's a problem if dogs are to eat those stones from the cherries or the peaches because what happens inside those kernels or the pits or stones, whatever people prefer to call them, there's a substance that's cyanide. Now, this is mm. really dangerous. So what happens with that? So cyanide is a toxin and what it does is it interrupts the um, utilisation of oxygen within a cell. Mm-hmm. So you can breathe and the oxygen gets into your blood but the cells can't use it. And, you know, without oxygen, you've got about three minutes yeah. to live. That's a big scary word, though, in and of itself. Oh, cyanide, hang on a minute, what's going on there? Because mm. that's you know, a big bad one. I mean, but yet it's in those fruits that we eat. Yeah, but we don't eat the seeds and we <laughs> spit those yeah. out. The thing is, dogs are, you know, often wanting just to know what we've been having. And they're attracted to things like this. And some people don't realise also and think that any fruit is healthy and give it to the dog. Now, if a dog was to bite down on a seed, the other thing that can happen is they can fracture their teeth. So this is is a problem as well I and mean, you may not even realize that the dog has you know sort of fractured that tooth and then we end up with a problem with an abscess or, or something else happening often the um, seeds of a peach have quite a pointy end on them and if a dog is to eat that they can actually damage the esophagus as mm. it goes down because that mm. lining's fairly soft of the esophagus yeah well the the point as you said that is then going to penetrate through the wall of the esophagus mm. which is a terrible thing so yeah, another problem with it. Yeah. Is this something you've seen a bit of, David, in your time? Uh, I've, I have, mm. yeah. I've seen them stuck. Um, you were probably yeah, going to get to. Yeah, the obstructions, Cheryl, so with you, probably the next next problem we see. Yeah, because this is it. They'll sometimes eat the whole thing, and then when it goes down, we get an obstruction. Get stuck in the, yeah. uh, in the intestine. So if, if, it, if the teeth are okay and the esophagus is okay, 
it could still get all the way through. So this is if they actually swallow the peach stone or whatever it is, apricot whole, it can be a problem. If they crack it, they can get the teeth problems and obviously it's sharp and it exposes the cyanide in the germ tissue inside the middle of the stone. The other thing too, you can feed these fruits to dogs. It's not as though they're toxic, but it's just the seed. But often if you are feeding them, have a look around the seed area because sometimes those fruits, they swell, and around the seed there can be some mould, and mould is really quite dangerous to dogs as well. Oh, yeah, that's one I hadn't thought of. Oh, David, come on now. listen. I'm good looking. I can't think of everything. Yeah, that's right. And also <laughs> fermenting fruit as it starts. That's the excuse to... you're going with. <laughs> That'll do. As fruit starts to ferment, it often gives off the alcohol. alcohol? So this is another mm. one that we've got to be careful of. Now, apart from dogs, if you own a, a cow or a goat, and you've got a cherry tree, goats and sheep and cows can be affected by cherry tree themselves because they can eat the fresh or the dried leaves, but they can't use or eat the um, wilted leaves wilted leaves still contain a lot of cyanide so that is really dangerous for you you know those people who might have a cherry tree and they've got a a goat or a cow cheryl's done more research on this than i've done in 20 years (laughs) well the problem is david you were researching the outfit and cheryl's gone to content she's the professional yeah yeah so that's that's a tough one isn't it because like you said that Mm. at some stages of the life of the leaf it, it, it's cool for the animals to eat them, but they're in that wilted stage. Yep. You know, that's the very bad news. Yeah, and certainly no stems or leaves for the the dogs because that is um, very toxic. For there dogs. was um, back to the uh, there was actually a, a child back in the early eighties who uh, the mother had cracked the apricot oh, stones, yes, yes, and they were eating the germ tissue inside. And she was a nine year old. It was in um, wasn't Wisconsin or one of those central. American states, uh, and unfortunately, she passed away from cyanide toxicity. Hmm. So I remember researching that one mm. twenty years ago before yeah. I worried about the outfit. Yeah, because I think a lot of people think of them like an almond. Yes, and well, well they have to look, don't they? Mm. I mean, yes, they, that's right. They, they, I mean, you could put one and one neck together, and you'd think they're the same thing. Yeah, yeah. so be very careful with your dogs mm. and your people as well. Absolutely, yep. mm. uh, Denise at mm. Cessnock. Why well, your dog's got some skin issues? What's going on? Yeah, she's got. Um, She's three-year-old, and I've had her for two years. She's a rescue dog. Mm -hmm. Um, But she didn't have the problem. She's only just sort of developed it. She didn't come with the problem. Right. Now, I've changed all of her food. I've just... I've introduced that many different kinds of food. Yep. um, And I'm guessing it's environmental. Mm. But I've also got her on um, evolution inside out. I've got her on that. Um, She's... Her skin in her stomach now on her stomach is a lot better because I was given um, cortisone cream from the vet. Yep. But I but I didn't like using that all the time. Sure. Well, that that's a reasonable approach to be cautious. I think. Now, what's what breed is your dog? She's a greyhound mastiff. Oh, okay. Well, that's quite a different combo, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. She's absolutely beautiful. But um, she's now started to like the stomach area is not too bad um but okay. now she's started to bite the paws constantly itch um and she's driving me insane and i bet she's just as insane as i am yeah poor darling. so I'm, i just don't know what else to do so which which part of her you mentioned her paws in her stomach is that the only areas that are affected yeah okay. yeah but she seems to still want to scratch like she's got fleas 
Yes. But she's on she's on Some treatment for, for that. Yeah. Well, she's on advocate. Yeah. Oh, advocate. She's on, okay. Yeah, it does does a lot. Covers all of it. Excellent. So what we the reason why we ask about the location is it gives us a little bit of an indication of what are the possible causes. Um, and so, for instance, when we talk about stomach and pores, I'm really concerned about what she's coming into contact with. So if she's, for instance, if you had a dog that's totally inside, um, then what they come yeah. in contact with is just going to be what's inside, right? Carpets, floors. Um, dogs that are inside or out, then we have to look in both places. Now, a lot of dogs, and particularly this time of the year, we do start to see over spring, summer, uh, they start to get these breakouts of skin problems in those areas, and it starts with itching, redness, and then it progresses to the point where the skin starts to get sores on it. Um, you can get some bleeding. You can get little pustules, and then eventually the skin actually starts to thicken and gets really corrugated looking. Okay. Okay, so that's just the skin responding to what's irritating it. And for a lot of these dogs, it's going to be, as you mentioned, environmental. So we're thinking grasses, uh, pollens, things like that. And this is part of a condition that's generally called atopy, which is an inherited allergic disease that usually comes on after about two years of age. Okay. Um, Okay. Seems to be be worse in female dogs. Okay. Uh, But it it can affect any. There are certain breeds that are more predisposed to it. Um, But again, it can affect any breeds. And so, you know, Greyhound Mastiff would not be a breed I'd normally associate with this condition, but it can affect anyone. So a couple of basic principles we want to do. Yeah. First of all is any time we're outside, you mentioned she's inside a lot. Oh, so, she's inside more than she is out. Yeah, she only goes out to toilet. Yeah. And if it is something outside, then that's often an, just that one exposure could be enough to make her itchy for the whole day. Okay. Because okay? it is an allergy. Okay. So what we want to do is make sure you wipe down her paws after she comes inside. Okay. Because what you're doing there is you're taking the the contact off her skin. We want to bathe her regularly, so I would use a an oatmeal aloe vera yeah, shampoo. I've got, yeah, I've got the oatmeal one. I would probably be doing that at least once a week minimum. Okay. And possibly two to three times a week if there's flare up. So you can actually just put it on the area that's affected, but otherwise do her whole body once a week. The yeah. other the other thing is with that shampoo, you can actually get conditioner in that brand and it's a good idea sometimes is you've got to leave the conditioner on for 10 minutes and you can even leave it on longer like they just leave it on them so you don't wash it off that actually helps a lot okay um you mentioned about uh diet generally that there may be some help with diet but most of it's going to come from good regular bathing and then um also medication and so this is where it's probably worth speaking with you about. Cortisone cream can be used for flare-ups, but oftentimes there are a number of drugs that are available, starting with antihistamines. Sometimes we use prednisolone, which is the cortisone tablet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there are actually other drugs that we use as well that um, would Well, she has probably... to go back to the vet, sorry. She's got to go back there next week for a needle. Um, just the um, just the regular vaccination. Yeah, just the regular vaccination. Yeah. Okay, well, have um, a, have a chat to them because what we tend to do is we escalate. You know, we start with a basic intervention and then we escalate and go up to the next step and the next step and the next step. If we find that we're not getting control, and this can vary year 
you know, year to year, season to season, you find this year it goes all right, but next year you do the same things and it just doesn't keep it under control. So what you often find is that we escalate that treatment. Sometimes we get to the point then when we have to talk about referral for a dermatologist and they may do skin testing and possibly even an allergy vaccine. So, yeah. And those things work really well, but you kind okay. of, you still have to do all the basic stuff to start with. So have a chat with the vet, bathing, yeah. washing the feet, and um, talk to them about the antihistamines. Yeah, but, because the stomach area, when she used to get really red on the stomach, it was sort of sticky, like it was clammy. Yeah, that's the, that's the skin oozing a little bit, and that's why the aloe vera okay. shampoo works really well. And just consider using the conditioner. That'll get control of it really quickly. Thank you very much, Denise. Hope that helps you and your pooch. Uh, next up is Sarah from Charlestown, who will probably recognise this caller. voice. Brand new caller. Oh, first hello, time hello. Through. Yeah, long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> Sarah, who's on, who, who normally does pet chat, she's on holidays today, um, but felt that today's probably the day to ring in and get the free advice uh, for your own dog. She needs, you need to disconnect, Sarah. No, I thought, you know, we've been busy lately. I can't waste valuable time asking my own personal questions. But today I thought, you know, well, why not give a call and ask a question about Gizmo when it's about um, a heart condition, David? Yes. Now, he's been um, diagnosed with a heart murmur. Apparently it's not clinical, Uh, possibly stage two, I think she said, although she wasn't 100% sure. So. I'm just wondering, because there seems to be mixed um, thoughts on, should I start um, heart medication now? Does it prolong um, the issues, or do you not start it until it becomes clinical? I think it's Cardashaw they mentioned. Mm -hmm. What a good question. Thank (laughs) you. the The reason I say that is that you summed it up quite nicely when you said, that you're getting differing opinions because the the guidelines around this changed last year. And so, you know, sometimes these guidelines are slow to roll out. So, for instance, back in the day when um, Lister worked out that we should wash our hands between patients, it took 40 years for the medical uh, establishment to adopt that guideline. So here we are 12 months later. Um there is some evidence that uh, with early diagnosis and uh, starting med- medication, some medication, that we will see improved outcomes. So these are in large studies with lots of dogs. Um, and my caveat normally applies is that, you know, you've only got one dog. So yeah. the outcomes may vary. But it's worth considering the problem I guess we get into is how do we know which stage we're at? So it usually involves um, x-ray and ultrasound and sometimes a blood test. Um, And for a lot of dogs that are running around and look fine but we've just heard a murmur, fair enough, people go, well, you know, do we need to do all that? I think if we explore with a chest x-ray and take it from there, then that probably gives a good starting point which says, you know, should we go on to the next stage and do the blood test or an ultrasound? Because you may well find that, yes, the evidence is that if we start him on medication now, it is going to make a difference. And we're not talking, you know, it prolongs their life by five days. It's like prolongs it by months and years. And more importantly, it's about quality of life. So we're actually talking about 
dogs being able to exercise and live a pretty normal life for quite a long time, even while they've got some heart disease. And my other question was, can it lower um, suppress appetite? Because we started Gizmo on the Carter Shore, but he seemed to lose interest in food, but that could be because I was trying to hide the tablets in food. I think it's probably more that reason, the latter, that he's, right. he's clued up that there's something in there. Cause okay. Now, would you, would you say Gizzy is a fussy eater? Uh, not overly, no, although he does love a Scotch fillet. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Oh, I love that answer. Yeah, he's not a fussy eater, <laughs> but, he not... like, but he likes steak. But only well, well, no, well he... seared and served with a Diane sauce, yes. Yeah, okay. He obviously prefers that, but no, in the whole, on the whole, he gets biscuits daily and, um, yeah, and some yeah. tin food. Yeah. I, th- I think they, they just clue on that there's a change there. So, you know, you can try different things. We've talked about this before. Butter, cheese, peanut butter, this kind of things to get them to eat the tablets. Um, yep. Otherwise, if it's mixed in the food, he might just be a little bit fussy about it. But you do need to keep a watch on that because some dogs are really good at like licking the bowl clean, and you then you look and there's the pill, and you think, yeah, "How yep. on earth did you do that?" Uh, yeah, that was hand fed in cheese. Okay, good All right, idea. and re- very quickly, um, last question: if if we do start him on it, um, is and we, we stop it, is that an issue? Can that have side effects? Like once you start it, do you need to be extremely consistent because it's, you know, twice a day? So mm. just wanted to check in with that. Well, I think it's the it's not that it's going to cause side effects as such. It's just that you're not going to get the desired effect. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. That's been very helpful. No worries. Thank you for first-time caller, Sarah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sarah. Get back to uh, See work you next for tomorrow. Year. Sounds pretty good. Also uh, today, uh, g'day, Louise at Glendale. Uh, you've got a very exciting a new dog joining the family next week. Yes, my son has bought me a miniature sausage dog. Well, you'd call them dash hounds. And I was wondering, because he's going to come into a new house, yes. should I worm him and deflea him and bath him? Well, I reckon that's fair enough. I, it probably wouldn't hurt. Um, a lot of the time people are really concerned about, you know, washing them if, for instance, where he comes from, they might say, oh, we gave him some flea medication and so on. Um, you know, you're worried about washing that off. Um, and it's worth making sure that you get really good information about what medication he's had. So you don't right. want to be, you know, you don't want to overdose him at all. Because sometimes people will actually do all of that the day before you pick him up. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, and because he's going to be coming into a different house mm. and his food will probably change, you know, from what she's given him sort of thing. But just gradually, you know, not overnight sort of thing. Yeah, it's good if you can if you know what he's been having and then do that as a gradual thing for sure. And I would find out what he's had in the past. I was going to say with the flea products, um, people are worried about washing them off, but generally they're actually absorbed into the bloodstream and distributed back to the skin. So if you right. wa- wash them, they just replenish what was washed away. And so would it be better to bath him first and then do the flea and the worm, <clears throat> find out if she's actually done it? Yeah, I would I would find out what that, is, what that is because obviously if he's had a certain medication and yesterday and you give him another dose today, you don't want to overdose him. No, no, I realise that, but mm. I just thought, you know, because he's coming into a different house yes. um, and my things are com- going to be completely different to what he is 
at home with his mother and puppies and all that sort of thing, you know. Yeah. How old is he? Um, well, I think he was born in late October. Oh, he's um, going to be so cute. And, sorry? He's going to be so cute. <laughs> yes. Well, I lost my husband last year, the day before Christmas. So oh. this is going to be company for me. Yeah, well, that's really important, and I'm really glad your son has taken that step, and and also that you're calling up to get some information. I think that's really important, and um, I hope he brings a little bit of a bright spark for you this Christmas. I hope so too. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, thanks very Louise. much. All anyway. Right. No okay. Worries. Thanks for Bye the call. Now. Thank you very much, Louise, and all the best with the new little dog. And again, great to see David that uh, jumping ahead of the game and uh, at least getting the right information because mm-hmm. you don't want the new dog coming into a brand new environment and then have all those other things. Other uh, problems, yeah. yeah. No, so it's great. All looks pretty good. Yeah. Pet Chatter 2 and RFM with Cheryl Shaw and uh, Dr. David Tapper. I told you I'd do it, David. I know, I love it. Uh, well, loved it. I was up dancing. Quite often the stuff that happens between uh, us talking to you at home is when all the fun is. And I mentioned earlier, oh. David is dressed. He looks like a, a Beach Boys Christmas album cover. He's got the Hawaiian shirt on. Right. He's got the Santa hat with the Santa glasses. Yes. And he was up dancing like a, dancing on a surfboard, it looked like, it a did. minute ago. It did. That's what it looked like, Cheryl. <laughs> You've got a good imagination. <laughs> it was, it was right those in front arms of well, keeping the balance. Where else could I look? <laughs> there was nowhere else to look, David. Oh, okay. There's no way out of it. All right, back to the, the, the main game today, which is Pet Chat. And uh, Claire from Stockton, there is a flea problem for your pooch. What's going on, Claire? Well, I've... Um Deeply her several times over the month. Yep. She loves to have dirt baths outside. Um, and she gets a, a like a vinegar, part vinegar, water shampoo. Um, that's not working. And I've had to bomb the house. And I know that's very toxic for her, so I've kept her away from that. But there's one room, because she suffers from great anxiety, that she really likes to stay in. I'm wondering what I can do about that problem because there's still fleas in that room. Now, when you say there are fleas, have you seen the fleas? Yes, I have. Right, okay. And do you use any other preventative with her? Um, is it advocate or just the flea treatment? Advocate? Um, yeah. Okay. So, and any other animals at all in the household? No. No, no other dogs outside, cats, rabbits, chickens? No. no. The reason I asked about, actually, ferrets as well, the reason I ask about all those other animals is they also yeah. can be infected by fleas. And the right. p- particular flea we're talking about is called, it's a cat flea, actually. It's called Tenocephalides felis. Now, but most of the problem occurs on dogs, and they live quite happily with dogs. Now, the important thing about any kind of parasitic infections is that these are um, uh, parasites that have life cycles both on the animal and off the animal, right? And so what happens is that they lay eggs and the eggs are basically impervious to um, any treatments and then the eggs uh, hatch and release larvae. And the larvae are in the carpet, in the grass, in the dirt, okay? Um, And then the larvae then molt and form a pupa, okay, which is your little cocoon. Now, those pupa can actually sit in the environment for months and months and months. And so what happens is as the summer weather and warmer weather appears and there's movement, 
the pupa will hatch full-blown fleas, which then hop on your dog, and they feed to get blood to help them lay more eggs. So each adult flea lives about 30 days, but they lay about 100 eggs a day, okay, the females. So the numbers can escalate really quickly, and the problem is, of course, that you've got eggs that are impervious to treatment, pupa that are impervious to treatment, and they can sit there and wait. And so this is why we look at both treating on the dog and off the dog. Now, the exception to this is that over the past couple of years, uh, our treatments have improved dramatically with preventatives. And so there's a new class of treatment called isoxazalines. And there's two, well, there's basically two that we use. One is Bravecto, the other one's Nexgard. And they have been a game changer. Uh, They're effective against ticks as well. And the thing is, they're so good at treating the problem, they will knock the numbers down really quickly. So in the past, we've used things like flea bombs. And as you said, you're worried about toxicity. uh, Flea bombs are largely come from the pyrethrin group of uh, product. And so they can have crossover toxicity uh, to dogs and cats and so on. Um, But the newer products, really, we don't see any problems. And in fact, the reduction in um, problems of the parasitic load are so dramatic that your pet's lifestyle improves dramatically. So they're in some ways a little bit more expensive. But if you think about all the time that you save and trips to the vet and all the extra bathing and washing and so on that you don't have to do, I would recommend that you use one of these newer products. They've been around for a few years. Just to give you a quick example of how good they are, three three years ago, we, we treated about 350 tick patients in the year, and last year we treated about 150. So wow. That, that, and it saves lives, no doubt. Yeah. So it, that's where I want you to go. Wonderful. Good luck with everything, Claire. Hope it all works out for you at your place there. We're just about run out of time for Pet Chat. And uh, Dr. David Tabbert, um, thanks for being a good sport with your gear, by the way, today. Your last appearance for us for 2020. What? 2020? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know, right? Is it over? It's uh, it, This is over for you. You're Pet off. Chat for me is over. You're off on holiday, so we'll, we'll look forward to you next year. But Cheryl, you're back uh, in a week to uh, basically do a wrap-up for us for the year on Pet Chat. That's it. Last show for the year. Uh, can we get a quick idea of what your outfit's going to be? Because you always no, go, no, no. go gangbusters. No, secret, 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 secret. It'll be Christmas-related probably? Oh, I don't know. All right, we'll wait and see. <laughs> Thanks, David and Cheryl, wrapping Thank up you. Pet Chat for us this afternoon. To a new RFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.